Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in to the Fifth and Long Podcast presented to you by Patrick DeMar and Paul the Commission Kashak. This is it, folks. Day five of Super Bowl Media Week. This is the last one, and this is the finale. Um, Paul and I giving our, our picks, predictions, props in this episode, breaking down the Super Bowl from from top to bottom, everything that, that we're looking for in this game. We've done a lot of work on this throughout the week leading up to it, so Paul and I were both pretty dead set in our in our picks i would say so yeah it's it's an episode that there's been a lot of work put into and and a lot of lead up to it as well so thanks for tuning in with us throughout the course of super bowl media week uh we've got episodes ranging from monday through friday shout out as well to eric lapartis of kingdom connects and Dwayne breezy of bleacher report 49ers web zone for hopping on the show with us yesterday awesome experience with those guys and and um we're hoping to have a reaction episode with with the winning or losing side next week to, depending on how the game goes enjoy our show here tonight tune in to us on the socials at fifth and long on twitter fifth and long pod on instagram and youtube and good luck to your favorite team this weekend make sure you got some nice chips and dip uh wings barbecue whatever your your favorite choice is send us some pictures of your game day spreads actually I, i'm really interested to see what you folks uh enjoy as a part of your super bowl uh spreads so to speak thanks again fifth and long fans and without further ado here is our official super bowl picks predictions and props episode with none other than paul the commission kashak Fifth and long fans, ladies and gentlemen, football fans, I I don't care if you even like football. You could just be tuning in because you've never even seen a Super Bowl. This is the official first ever fifth and long Super Bowl picks, previews, props, episode, whatever you want to call it. Super Bowl bonanza. We're covering all things Super Bowl in this game. Chiefs, 49ers kicking off this Sunday. 6.30 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time on CBS. We've done a whole week's worth of content leading up to this. We've done episodes now every week for since before Halloween. Paul, how you doing, my man? You know, to be honest with you, Patrick, I'm actually a little bit pissed off uh, because I just got the results of the Defensive Player of the Year award and uh, found out <laughs> who, who won that. I won't... Uh, use this as a rant uh, because we have a uh, Super Bowl to talk about along with plenty of props, previews, predictions, as you said, all of the P's. But I'm a little pissed off in that regard, but I am more so excited to talk about this upcoming Super Bowl. And you're right. Uh, we've been striving towards this moment for a couple of months now when this podcast took off. You're right back in October. And, and I'm really excited that it's it's coming to this point, but it's not like the culmination of anything either. You know, this is just uh it's it's just a, a moment within the fifth and long and you know we're going to be transitioning to other sports here pretty soon so it's it's all exciting not just for the end of football season but for the transition into other things as well well you mentioned the nfl awards um those are wrapped now lamar jackson mvp we saw that coming cj stroud and will anderson jr double up for the houston texans 
in the offensive and defensive rookie of the year awards. How exciting is that? I don't know if that's ever happened before with two guys picked for the same team inside the top three winning rookie of the year awards on both sides of the ball. Does that, that's gotta be a first, right? Can't confirm or deny it, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's the first time we've seen it. Pretty good, pretty damn good drafting by the Houston Texans, uh, taking them two and three and pretty good coaching by D'Amico Ryans uh, to get those guys playing at their highest level this year. A lot of credit to them. The future is very, very bright down there at Houston. We also had Joe Flacco win the comeback player of the year award. I picked, we both had Baker last week, but we both also said there was a solid chance Flacco could get it. He was the favorite. Uh, and he won, man. And, and that's so awesome for Joe, honestly, despite the bad playoff game. I was really happy to see that. Yeah, man. I, I Like we said, I, I we just wanted somebody who was actually contributing to their team's success on the field to win that award. And with no disrespect meant to DeMar Hamlin, um, I, you know, I, I would have advocated for Baker, but I can get behind Joe Flacco here as well. We also had Kevin Stefanski representing the Cleveland Browns. He won coach of the year. Paul Art. Are you feeling okay about that as an NFC North uh, foe of his? AFC, AFC North, but yeah, AFC, I'm, I'm, yes. I'm Sorry. all right. I mean, you laid out a pretty good case for Kevin Stefanski earlier in the week when we did our uh, awards picks and and the adversity they've had to deal with all the quarterbacks and Nick Chubb going down. So D'Amico Ryan still is my pick, but you know, I think I think Stefanski certainly got a case, so I'm not going to go all up in arms on that. And also, I, I want to retract my earlier statement. Uh, Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson won offenses and rookie oh, yeah, offensive and defensive year. rookie of the year last year, but they weren't just both how picked. good our memory is, huh? <laughs> they weren't both picked inside the top three, though. That's the only difference. Fair enough. That was the only other caveat that I was looking for specifically, but I, I don't want to read too much into it. I, I only had to look back one year to, to find another tandem that had done that. Uh, otherwise, for the NFL awards, Miles Garrett, you mentioned defensive player of the year. I did not mention him by name on purpose, but yes, <laughs> we, I kind of saw that coming. That did, that didn't surprise well, me. Well, yeah. I mean, I saw it coming too, but you know, it, it doesn't make it any easier to swallow. That one did piss me off. As I said, TJ, you got my vote. You've had it all the way. That's all I got. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to hijack the show. Offensive player of the year, Christian McCaffrey. No surprise there either. Tip your cap. Paul, this has been your guy all year. Uh, did that give you maybe a reason to lean more Niners in this game? Or are you thinking maybe he, he doubles up on the weekend? Look, here's what I'm going to say. Uh, I'm not going to blow anything for our listeners. Uh, we're going to get into our predictions and picks here. I will only say that I will be referencing McCaffrey a lot. And I mean a lot in this episode and I'll right. leave it at that. All right. Fair enough. Uh, we also had, by the way, the new Hall of Fame class announced from the NFL. Real quick, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. Steve McMichael, uh, member of my New England Patriots at one point, Chicago Bears, Green Bay Packer, uh, defensive tackle, two-time All-Pro, 95 career sacks. He's new Hall of Famer. We also had Randy Gratishar, linebacker for the Denver Broncos, two-time All-Pro, 1978 AP Defensive Player of the Year. Patrick Willis, San Francisco 49er, five-time All-Pro, uh, Hall of Fame All-2010s team, 950 career tackles, was a big part of San Francisco's dominant run about a decade ago. 
We also had Julius Peppers in there, made it to the Super Bowl with the Carolina Panthers against my New England Patriots back in the day, three-time All-Pro, uh, also a member of the Hall of Fame All-2000s team and All-2010s team, 195.5 career sacks. That's crazy. Uh, Dwight Freeney in there, three-time All-Pro, All-2000s team, 125.5 career sacks. He played for a bunch of teams, but I remember him the most playing with the Colts, I would say. Andre Johnson, Houston Texan, two-time All-Pro, 1,062 career catches, 14,185 career receiving yards. And then Devin Hester, who we talked about earlier in the week with a, with a defining Super Bowl moment. Do you think he gets in the Super Bowl without that? Or gets in the he Hall of Fame without fame. that? Yeah, I, I still do. Because even if you take that away, he's I still, still the greatest that, returner. Ever. I still think he's the greatest kick returner that the NFL has ever seen. And you have to admit somebody in who was the greatest at their position uh i don't know the number off the top of my head but pretty sure he's got the most combined 20, punt and 20. Or yeah and Dub. that's 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 most in the nfl in history right in terms of return touchdowns i believe so josh yeah. cribs got pretty close but i think josh cribs just has the punt return record specifically so, not career return like total so yeah when you have somebody who is absolutely the best at a certain aspect of the game, even if it is special teams, you have to admit them into the Hall of Fame. That has to mean something. Congratulations, Devin Hester, former Chicago Bear, Atlanta Falcon, Baltimore Ravens, Seattle Seahawk on an excellent career. You, sir, are a Hall of Famer. Well-deserved as well. Now, let's get into the game. This is what we've all been waiting for, really all year. And it's come down to this, Chiefs 49ers, a rematch the Super Bowl just a few years ago. Does this game remind you of the lead up to it? At least does it remind you of that game at all? Or does it feel entirely different just based on feel of these teams? Mahomes no longer being in his first Super Bowl. Now it's Purdy in his first Super Bowl. And Mahomes is this seasoned acclaimed veteran. Is it is is there any similarities that you can find besides just the teams and players in it to a certain extent? To be honest with you, I feel almost entirely different uh, in this in this matchup uh, compared to the first one. You know, Mahomes had not really established his greatness yet. That was only his second season as a starter, if I remember correct. And that was his first Super Bowl appearance. And I feel like everybody this year is really kind of backing the Chiefs just because of the whole Mahomes is Mahomes factor. And you didn't really have that last year. And I feel like there was less talk about that 49ers team that came in with Jimmy Garoppolo. I felt like there was less talk about them just being a, a complete dominant unit around the quarterback. If you remember Debo Samuel, I think was a rookie in that, um, so in was that season and Ayuk wasn't even on that team. If I remember correct, correct. So, Neither was I mean, Williams. So you had a lot of guys and then obviously Christian McCaffrey wasn't there either. So Mahomes didn't have the era and mystique that we have around him right now. And neither did the 49ers as a complete unit, especially offensively. So yeah, I do feel like this is a completely different feel. I feel like these teams are um, like, I like the, the version of teams or version of play and level of play that these teams are playing at right now, more than I did of those teams back then. Um, and yeah, I think, I think the game's going to play out differently as well, but we'll get into that. So this game is is probably going to be the most watched Super Bowl of all time. Taylor Swift fans from everywhere are going to be tuning in. <laughs> We've got a historic franchise in the San Francisco 49ers, California. 
big state, a lot of people. San Francisco's got a got a deep fan base, uh, very loyal fan base. Same with the Chiefs as well, and they've had a lot of history. Joe Montana played for both of these teams at one point, famously traded away from San Francisco uh, at some point in his career. And now we've got Patrick Mahomes here. We've got Christian McCaffrey, two greats of our generation on the offensive side of the ball. One plays quarterback, one plays receiver. And we also have Travis Kelsey and George Kittle squaring off against each other. Paul, you've been a Kittle guy since we, since I traded Najee Harris. <laughs> sure have, yeah. That was a long time ago now that we look back on it. And, uh, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. Uh, still made it you to were, the playoffs, though. Still you were made so it to confident the playoffs. about the move at the time. Hey, I, I needed the running back depth, and he helped me win a couple of games. Kittle might have too, but it, it, it's okay. I still made it to the playoffs. It's fine. It's always um, next year. The Long Island Ice tea bags are, are going for gold next year. You'll see. Coming for you, Jack Nottemacher. Anyways, <laughs> this is also going to be the most bet on game of the year. It's, it's going to be a day in which probably the most bets are placed in sports on one particular day, unless something like crazy happens that's worth everybody's time and money uh, between now and, and December 31st. I don't know if there will be. Paul, we've got some awesome prop bets here to discuss. Some of them aren't necessarily football related. That's the that's the beauty of this whole thing. Absolutely. Talk, talk to us about obscure prop bets that you can add to your bet slip. Some things maybe not fully football related or or um let's say technical within the game, like player performance related. Uh that that our viewers, listeners, football enjoyers and and degenerate gamblers of all ages, uh legal ages, I should say, in, in states that you can bet in legally, uh, can enjoy and, and uh, bet on. Yes. And for the record, I am of legal age to bet, and I am in a state in which it is legal to bet. The state of Massachusetts legalized gambling last March, right before the NCAA tournament. So I feel I, I don't bet because I'm not good at it. So fair enough. But I feel um, completely worthy enough to talk about these bets here over the air to our listeners. So the first one I'm going to bring up is a pretty common prop bet that you can bet before the game even starts. And that is on the length of the national anthem. Um, you can bet the over under on it. And this year, Reba McIntyre is singing the national anthem, which uh, full disclosure, I did not know exactly who that was before doing some research. Uh, I do recognize her face. When I Googled her, I was able to put the name to the face, but um, I listened to a couple of her songs personally, not a huge fan from, what I listen to, but that is a, that's a side note for another time. The over under is currently at 90 and a half seconds. So uh, it has to go one second over a minute and a half. Now did a little bit of research. Like I said, I watched a YouTube video of her singing the national anthem in a 1999 Dallas Cowboys versus Miami Dolphins regular season game. And I timed it. <laughs> I timed it. Hang, hang hang in there, dude. Hang in there, dude. You, you gotta do what? for this. I timed it. I, I just I just you know on YouTube I I timed her national anthem singing, and in this regular season game, it took her exactly a minute and a half, so exactly ninety seconds. So that's clear where they're getting the line from. Now that was a regular season game, as I said, not the Super Bowl or anything like that. 
And, you know, to be honest with you, she wasn't exactly carrying her notes. The final two lines, um, land of the free, home of the brave, <laughs> only 15 total seconds. And there were a couple, like, when they say banner yet wave, there she was like, banner yet wave, like, <laughs> kind of carried that note a little bit, but not really. <laughs> So I'm thinking this is the Super Bowl. This is the big stage. Everybody's going to be watching. You're right. It's going to be the most watched sporting event in history. I'm going to say she's going to belt out those final couple lines and carry those notes. Go over on the national anthem. Okay. And you're getting slight plus money on it as well. Plus 102 per bet MGM, whereas the unders at minus 128. So you're getting slight value. I'm going to take the over there. I'm usually not a proponent of betting something like this, which isn't involved in the actual game. Uh, but I, I kind of like a small little sprinkle on this play. That's my first non-football prop. Patrick, your thoughts. If you can collect yourself. That was um, one. I didn't realize how, how research oriented you were in terms of um, sports betting. I, I respect so much the, the grind, the detail, the, that the time spent in the film room. Literally, I mean, man, hats off to you. I, I would not have thought to go that far. I, I would have just flipped a coin almost and, and said, uh, go for it. Speaking of which, uh, I, I believe I also saw a bet where you can bet on whether or not Reba McIntyre gets any of the lyrics wrong in the national anthem as well. I, I don't remember what the odds were on it. I'm trying to find it. Uh, I think oh, I might I mean, a seasoned veteran such as herself who's done it before. I mean, she's not messing it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's there's no way that would happen. It would be ludicrous, but it's possible. Uh, there are there are commercial there are commercial based bets where you can bet on whether um, BMW or Coors Light is shown for, first. Coors Light favored at minus one thirty. By the way, I I need uh, a rendition of the old. Um, the old Coors Light commercial where the frozen train pulls into the ran random city and uh, some like happy song is playing in the background. Everybody's drinking Coors Light. Oh, yeah, I can picture it. <laughs> uh, what uh, what other unique obscure bets are you looking at, Paul? So uh, there's the coin toss bet as well, which I'm not a proponent of. I mean, personally, if you want to place a bet like that, just go to your local casino and put some money down on red or black because that's all you're going to – That's Playing roulette is basically the same thing as betting on the coin toss. Vegas is going to juice the odds on both head, heads and tails. It's going to be either minus 105, minus 110, and it's a 50-50 chance of happening. And don't bother going to look back at what the previous results have been in previous Super Bowls for heads versus tails. It is an independent flip. It's independent of the previous flips, and it's its, its own thing. It's a 50-50 chance every time. That's math, ladies and gentlemen. So I wouldn't bother taking that. Um, if you do want to play something like that again, just go to your local casino, put some money down on red or black. However, here's a bet that once the game starts, it is technically football, but it's still one of those obscure bets. You can bet on the first kickoff to either be a touchdown or not be a touchdown. And I think that there's a slight edge in these numbers. In the past 30 Super Bowls, the kick opening kickoff, has not been a touchback. I might have said touchdown and in, in when I first started this. Touchback. The opening kickoff has not been a touchback in 26 of the past 30 Super Bowls. And 49 of all 57 Super Bowls, the kickoff has been returned. However, 
for this upcoming Super Bowl, for the opening kickoff to not be a touchback, that's plus 300 odds. And for it to be a touchback is minus 450, despite the history suggesting that most of the time the opening kickoff is at least returned. Those odds have actually been bet down to now plus 235 for no touchback and minus 330 for it to be a touchback. Now, there is one caveat, one caveat. Those four games in the past 30 years where the opening touchdown has, or opening kickoff, I'm screwing that up already. The opening kickoff has been a touchback. Those were all indoor games. So the only four times it's happened in the past 30 years was indoors. This Super Bowl is, of course, indoors in Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. So take that into consideration. But the value that you're getting on the opening kickoff to not be a touchback at plus 235, considering the high percentage at which it has hit in Super Bowl history, I think that's definitely worth a sprinkle. There's absolutely no value in taking minus 330 for the yes. I would rip no touchback at plus 235. Any odds above plus 200, I like for no touchback on the opening kickoff. I think you're on to something. However, I think you're banking on Jake Moody kicking off for the Niners first rather than Harrison Butker for the Chiefs because the Niners this year were 25th in the league in team kickoff touchback touchback percentage at a 62.39% clip, whereas the Chiefs were 10th in the league at an 83.33% clip. The best in the league this year was Dallas at 89.47%. So the Chiefs really aren't that far off whereas the Niners are way, way, way below that mark. If it's Moody kicking off with the stats you reference, it might be more like 50-50. But if it's Butker, I I would still – he's pretty good at it. He's got a great boot. I I would struggle to, to feel confident betting against Butker. But I, you can't really know what's going to happen until – could you bet on that theoretically after the coin toss? No. Get it in? No, you – no, you couldn't. I mean, that that's going to lock before uh, before the coin toss or anything like that. You're going to have to have that bet in uh, at least a few minutes before game time. But that's fine. I mean, to, to be honest with you, hearing those numbers about Jake Moody makes me feel even more confident. Because what was I just saying about the coin toss? It's a 50-50 probability, right? So yeah. it's just as likely that Jake Moody kicks off first as it is Harrison Bucker. And I'm getting plus 235 odds for it to not be a touchback. Yeah, I'll ride that every time. Every day of the week. Okay, fair, fair. I like that. I like that. Do you have any others? So my only other like non-football type bet, all right, I figured everybody tries to bet on the Gatorade, the Gatorade shower at the end of the game. So I have some stats for you. This is not necessarily something I advocate betting. Um, In fact, I think most of the time, the camera doesn't even cut to the coach in time and you just see him soaked. And then you don't know exactly what color of Gatorade it was until you're watching like the award ceremony and you see if your bet hits or not. But for those of you out there who do want to bet the color of the Gatorade shower, here's some facts to consider. In the past 23 years, from 2001 to 2023, the most common and most frequent color of Gatorade that has been poured on a coach is orange. It's been poured on the coach five times. Also consider this. Of teams that have won multiple Super Bowls in that time frame that I just mentioned, only one team, and that's the Patriots, have reused a color. Um, That was the color blue. Uh, So just because a team has used a color in the past when they won a Super Bowl doesn't necessarily mean they're going to use it again. And I've seen that reflected in the betting markets, or I've at least seen Vegas trying to 
get you to think the opposite because purple last I looked was the favorite so far to speak at like plus 275. And that was the chief's color of Gatorade shower last year when they won the Super Bowl. So I'd stay away from purple. Blue has hit three of the past five years. I'd stay away from that just probability wise. Orange has been the most common color. I'd stay away from that. I want to, I want to fade that. I want to go with a different color and I want to go with better odds. I saw yellow at plus 375. I like that as the play. I'm also staying away from red because I just think that the teams will try to pour a different color of Gatorade than their actual color scheme as well. I have no like facts or basis to back that up. That's just my personal take and opinion with both these teams having red in their color scheme. So what does that leave? Leaves yellow as the Gatorade color. I have no facts or basis to back this up, but that's what I would ride in theory for a Gatorade shower. I saw it at plus 375, not bad odds. I have a couple of obscure bets. Nothing n- nothing even remotely close to what, to what you had. Um, but I've got an over-under on Taylor Swift broadcast appearances. Over four and a half is minus 175, by the way. So you're thinking like, all right, they're going to show her being there if she's there once, maybe twice. And then if Travis scores a touchdown and has like a really big play late, you think they probably show her again? Or like maybe yeah. like a couple touchdowns that is four they show and a half, is four and a half, including like does that have to be from once the uh game starts? Because I think that she's gonna be shown a lot in the in the pregame. You know, I like that four and a half times has to be they have to show her during the actual game, right? I don't I don't know about specifics. That was just what yeah, I saw. I, you'd have to clarify that, but I'd imagine that that's actually during the game. But I I would yes yeah, say that. They're going to show her every time the Chiefs score a touchdown. Then if Travis does have a bu- uh, huge play, you're right there. So I think four and a half is probably a pretty good bet. I mean, you know, there's going to be tons of people tuning in. There's going to be tons of people tuning in that haven't even seen much NFL action, if any at all, but just to see her. So I think the NFL will adhere to that. I also have Drake to wear Niners gear on game day at plus 130 odds, which – Drake had some social media stuff happen earlier in the week. Maybe he's feeling a little bit shy and won't post what what team he's repping on game day. But it's Drizzy. He's probably going to post something. And whoever he posts is obviously cursed to lose. Um, that's not why I picked Niners for it. I just thought maybe he would try to go on the opposite side of Taylor Swift's brand and and uh, go for San Fran instead. So I, I have that at plus 130 odds. But those are my only two other uh, obscure bets that I have. Does he does he do I, – I apologize. I am not, like, the best with pop culture and everything like that. Does he always wear the one of the jerseys of the teams that's playing? Like, I thought he was a Toronto guy. Sometimes he, he does, yeah. Not necessarily all the time, but it seems like he's usually, like, betting on the game and, like, repping the brand of somebody or, like, just – like posting stuff and like whatever Jersey, like he's done it with like the heat in Miami before he's done it with Kentucky. He's done it with like uh, all these other people. I've seen him do it with baseball. I've seen him do it with college basketball. I've seen him do it with uh, the NFL at certain points as well. I I think it's something he's, this is definitely a pop culture thing for sure. Yeah. I guess that's why I'm out of touch with it, but Nonetheless, I mean, I guess I would take the plus odds in that as well myself. I mean, who knows? Who knows but him what actual jersey he's going to wear? Well, let's get into some more football-related things. In terms of 
like uh prop bets you can make that are reasonable reasonably uh that have reasonable odds you would say so like plus 150 or or closer to the favorites favorite side of things so anything plus 150 up do you have any particular bets that you really love? You think it's just like home run slam dunk? Mm, I mean, home run slam dunk. I, I don't know quite. I guess the closest thing to that for me is really, I guess, two things that kind of go into one. It's like I, I'm going to be betting on McCaffrey a lot in this Super Bowl game. And I love his two props uh, over 18 and a half rushing attempts and over 89 and a half rushing yards. Look, I, I think San Francisco is going to have to run him into the ground to win this game. It's it's an area of the Chiefs defense that they I actually think that they can exploit. Chiefs were 17th in opponent rush yards per game this year. Uh, McCaffrey, like I think he's got to touch the ball 20, 25 times on the ground. At least San Francisco is going to do that as a means to also like play defense with their offense, control the clock, uh, take some pressure off of their second year quarterback who has struggled mightily this year when he's faced like the very elite of the elite defenses. We saw that against Baltimore um, against top five defenses this year. He just has a 50% completion percentage and one touchdown to five interceptions. Now I've preached Brock Purdy a lot, a lot this season, and I am standing by him, but that doesn't mean that just because I've stood by him, that having him drop back 20, 30, you know, 35 times a game is the best way for the Niners to win. Their best way to win is to run the best running back in the league into the ground. I believe that they'll do that this Sunday against the Chiefs. So I like his uh, McCaffrey's over in rushing attempts and over in rushing yards the best out of any props that I've seen out there. Okay. Okay. I can dig those. My favorite in terms of um, props with not things that aren't, that don't have crazy odds. I, I would say Hughes check over four and a half receiving yards at minus one twenty five. That's literally like one catch, literally one catch. He had a touchdown the last time these two teams squared off in the Super Bowl. He almost had two. He almost had two. Why not Hughes check? Literally one catch. That's all he needs for that. Especially if they go into that twenty two personnel and try to spread people out and like mix up Kansas City's defensive looks. That's something I, I think. There's no way it doesn't hit at minus 125. Yeah, and he had that uh, really nice catch along the sidelines against Detroit when Purdy was rolling um, to his left and, and found him through across his body there. So I could definitely see a situation where the play kind of breaks down and there's nobody open, and then all of a sudden you see use check out in the flat, and yeah, he turns it in like six, seven yards. Something I also actually kind of like is largest lead of the game under 13 and a half points at plus 114. That caught my eye because I feel like this is going to be close throughout and I don't really see, I don't see that the point differential being two touchdowns or greater at any point, unless it's an end of the game thing and somebody's really just pulling away at the end. So I'm actually a little bit on the other side of you in that. Um, and I'll, I'll talk more on detail in it when I get to my, my score prediction and, and who I think is going to win. So I don't want to give too many things away. But uh, I think that it's going to be huge for both these offenses are really going to make an effort to start quick and to start fast, because I think that they'll look to clamp things down in the second half. Um, one of the best bets as well, kind of dovetailing this uh, second half unders in Chiefs games this year are 18 and two. And I think 
that the Niners are going to have a concerted effort to come out strong because Kyle Shanahan has a way better record when leading at the half. And um, they've started off slow the past couple weeks. And then the Chiefs are going to try to start off quick and then clamp down with their defense. So I could see maybe somebody jumping out to a big lead early in this game. That's why I'm not quite on your side in that one. Okay. Okay. I like that you zig when I zag or zag when I zig. Something along those lines. Either or. Anytime touchdowns, Rasheed Rice plus 130, Debo plus 135. Debo, I absolutely would love to to sprinkle something on if I was a betting man. I mean, South Carolina guy, like I I love seeing him healthy back in this game after he's missed so many games the last couple of years since his last Super Bowl appearance. Um, I think that would just be really cool. He didn't get one in the last game and the last Super Bowl, and he had a pretty, pretty big game with three carries for 50 something yards and, and five catches for 30 something yards as well. So when it comes to Debo, I actually think if he does find the end zone, I think he's going to do it on the ground, not through the air. Um, I could see San Francisco being a little bit creative in terms of getting him the ball, whether it be end arounds or even lining him up in the backfield. Um, you know, something stood out to me when we talked to Eric on the, the chief segment of uh, the episode yesterday, which is what he was saying that the method of which the Chiefs might use to stop the 49ers passing attack is put Legereus Sneed on Ayuk. So put the top corner on the number two receiver and then double Debo. Uh, I've really been thinking about that a lot and thinking this might not be the best game passing wise for the 49ers receivers, um, but the Niners are still going to try to get Debo Samuel involved. They have to. He's so integral to their offense and their offense always clicks when Debo's clicking. So what does that mean? Get him involved in the run game, whether again, the end of rounds or lining him up in the backfield. So if he scores a touchdown, I would say he'll do it on the ground. Now, I don't know if there's a specific prop out there for him to score a rushing touchdown over a receiving touchdown, but that's my thoughts. Watch out for prediction. Watch out for a heavy package where you've got Kittle and Hughescheck as tight ends, and then you've got split back McCaffrey, Debo. I, you could see it. I, I, I could definitely see it on the outside. Like yep. I haven't seen them really use that a ton um, this year, but that's something that if I was Kyle Shanahan, I was trying to figure out ways to ensure that the Chiefs put some kind of heavy personnel out there, got away from their dime look. Absolutely, I would I would try to lean into that Debo as a as a running threat. Um, lean into that concept for sure. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco under 67 and a half rushing yards plus 100. Don't necessarily love it. It's just something that you could look at if you like, if you feel like the chiefs aren't going to run a lot in this game and, and Pacheco will have somewhere in the ballpark closer to like 15 carries versus 20 uh, Purdy over 15 and a half rushing yards plus 130. This one I like a lot more. Yeah, this one, uh, I think this is going to be a popular bet because we've seen Purdy use his legs a lot uh, in the past couple of weeks, and especially in that game against Detroit. It was one of the things that swung the balance in that game. So uh, you're getting this line at 15. I saw it earlier in the week at 12. So that means that this uh, the betting market is, is pouring money in on his over, and that's caused Vegas to jack this number up if you're seeing it at 15. Uh, to be honest with you, I think that, like I said, the game plan – for the Niners is to 
not drop back as much and, and feed, feed the beast that is Christian McCaffrey more so. So I think that like, they're not going to do any designed runs with Brock Purdy, which means if no, but they haven't been designed runs before that it's been Mahomes esque almost in like plays breaking down and he scrambles, does something with his legs and, and makes something happen. I could see him do that once or twice. Sure. And, and I could too, but like what I was going to say with my point is that I see less dropbacks for him in general, this game, ergo less opportunities for like a scramble play when it breaks down, but you are right. I mean, it probably just takes one scramble and we see he's got some sneaky speed in there as well. It's, it's a bet I'm personally staying away from, but I, I think I know a lot of people are going to ride the over on that uh, come Sunday. Something else uh, I was looking at from, from some of your props. Um, you've got Christian McCaffrey, anytime touchdown minus two twenty five. Kelsey minus one Oh five as well. Both those feel really, really good. Yeah. So I was looking at the, the anytime touchdown scores here and I had some like, you know, obvious picks like Christian McCaffrey at minus two twenty five and Kelsey at minus one Oh five here. Uh, let me talk about McCaffrey first. Look, I, I completely understand it. If you don't want to lay the juice at minus two twenty five there and risk more, um, more than twice of what you would actually win, but Consider this. What is he, Patrick? What has he missed out this season in terms of like a game that he didn't score a touchdown? Was it only happened like once, twice? Like no more twice. than twice. I think it yes. was twice. So they've played 19 games in total now, 17 regular season, two in the playoffs. And you're saying that it's only ever happened twice this season. I mean, the percentages on that are damn near 90%. And he scored four touchdowns in this postseason already. And you're getting minus 225 odds. I mean, just looking at the math perspective of it, yeah, it's risky to, to lay that much juice, but the math is in your favor there. So that's why even at minus 225, I think it's worth a play. I think it's a good thing to like throw into a same game parlay type of deal. Or if you just want to like parlay McCaffrey's over and rushing yards with him to score a touchdown, I think that's a decent way to boost your payout there. And then, yeah, Travis Kelsey, I think is kind of like a, like a slam dunk here. He's going to be, He's going to be Mahomes' top target. We know this. I like his over and receiving yards as well at 72 and a half. Uh, the Niners, you, you kind of talked about their zone versus man breakdown a little bit uh, with Wayne uh, on the episode the other day. And uh, something I saw that, that was interesting here that the Niners play a lot of like rush four and then drop into zone coverage where Mahomes completes 70% of his passes against that defensive look. And then uh, Kelsey and Rashid Rice combined for 46% of the, the target share. So that's a pretty high number there. And Mahomes is very efficient when he faces that common defense that the Niners may run. Bodes well for Travis, I think, to rack up a good amount of receiving yards and maybe find the end zone once in this game. I like that a lot as well. Um, I was actually looking into Travis Kelsey MVP odds at one point, um, plus 1,200 for MVP. Plus 500 for two touchdowns. Don't necessarily hate that. Um, before I, I really delve into those, though, let's look at more at some odds in the like the plus 150 to plus 300 range. Sure. Some, some long shots-ish, but these might have a chance. Um, San Francisco under 20 and a half points, plus 170. The Chiefs defense this year, outside of that game against the Bills, has been stellar. They <laughs> stymied. Tua in the cold at Arrowhead. They stymied Lamar in Baltimore, made him really struggle in the passing game. And I'm interested to see how their defense fares against the Shanahan offense. Spags has done an awesome job 
disguising coverages, mixing up blitz looks, um, keeping quarterbacks on their toes. Hurdy's a younger guy. He hasn't had to face Spagnola yet. So this is going to be his first real chance against him. Advantage Spags in that sense. If you're looking for a Chiefs win, I think they're going to have to win in a defensive game. I actually think if it's more of a shootout, the the Niners have a much better chance of winning the game. So if, if you're looking at a Chiefs win, under 20 and a half points at plus 170 odds for me is actually something I, I would really consider looking at. And then you could also double down on that and go for Chiefs halftime and full-time result at plus 195 as well. I really love your thought process on um, if if you think the Chiefs are going to win, ride the uh, the 49ers team total under. I don't necessarily agree on, on the perspective that the Chiefs are going to win this game, but I, I like your thought process there because you're right. I mean, you probably didn't think that the method of which, like, you probably would have said that, let me say this, you probably would have said something similar going into that Baltimore game where if it gets into a high shootout, that probably means that Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense is clicking and and they're cooking. And then how did we see that the chiefs won that game? Well, they held Baltimore to 10 points there. And, you know, they used a lot of their defense like they did in that ice bowl against Miami. So we've seen two of their three wins in the playoffs here come with their defense playing the more pivotal, pivotal role. So I like the thought process there that, yeah, ride San Francisco's team under here. Um, I think that we, what, what was uh, Eric's score prediction? 24-20. So 49ers team under was what again in this one? I'm sorry, I can't remember. 20 and a half. 20 and a half. So, so there you go. So um, I like that there. I do think that the Niners are going to go over it, but more so just because I think the Niners are going to win the game. So that's kind of just a, a mono we mono type deal. So back to anytime touchdowns. George Kittle, plus 170. Brandon Ayuk, plus 175. Christian McCaffrey, who you said could have a big game. He was uh, a long run and a falling on his head away from having two touchdowns last week. And I liked the two, two plus touchdowns bet last week. He's got two plus two ten odds for two plus touchdowns in this game. Does that give you anything uh, in, in the loins area in terms of feelings? in the loins area that's an interesting way to put it i have to admit it no um i don't feel anything in my loins when i when i bet on christian mccaffrey um i plus 210 still not enough for me to to take uh, a guy to have two touchdowns uh, in this one um but the some of the other ones that you come on you're the one telling me that they're gonna give him like 30 touches in this game I do, I do think he's going to get a ton of touches there, but there's still a lot of other talented guys on that roster that could find the end zone. I mean, a lot of what happens down near the goal line and in the red zone sometimes is dictated by chance. And George Kittle is a guy that I think is going to find the end zone in this one. I mean, you know it. I, I like him as the better tight end in this matchup. And um, I think that he's going to show that in this game. Uh, going back to, to how this coverage might be broken down, if Legereus Sneed does match up with – Brandon Ayuk, and then they shade double coverage Debo's way. Who does that leave wide open? You know, that in theory should leave George Kittle open for a big day over the middle um, and big body in the red zone. So I like him to at least snag a touchdown here. McCaffrey should find the end zone at least once, but I just don't like a two to one payout for a guy to score twice. You know, I think that you should be getting some to at least like three, four plus odds. Um, But again, my opinion there on that. If I'm leaning even more into 
the mindset of the Chiefs defense winning this game for them and and finding a way to mitigate the Niners offense, putting up some points, but it's it's not a really high scoring game, contrary to maybe what the narrative of this game is somewhat becoming. People are just assuming, you know, Mahomes, the Niners offense, there's gonna be a lot of points. Uh the alternate total that I found under 40 and a half at plus 212 odds. I don't Not hate bad. I don't hate that. Not bad at all. Uh, some stat that I saw actually just before we hopped on uh, this podcast is uh, Bill Vinovich is going to be the the head referee for this matchup and games go under at a 49, 49 and 28 clip uh, to the under when, when his officiating crew uh, officiates games. So I think that you could see this game leaning under if you, if you look at those, some of those underlying numbers, um, what was the alternate total again? I'm sorry. I'm blanking a little bit. It was 40 and a half. 40 and a half. So, I mean, that is pretty low, but yeah, once again, if you're in the thought process that you are, uh, which I, I can get behind, I mean, if you're in that thought process that the chiefs are going to win this game, you know, their defense has been integral in it so far. I mean, you look at two of their three playoff wins have, have gone under the total of 40 points. And then I, I also looked at some alternate spreads as well. The Niners are still favored in this game at minus two, as Paul and I are speaking right now. But some Chiefs alternate spreads that caught my eye. Kansas City minus three and a half is at plus 171 odds. Minus five and a half is plus 220. And then if you want to take Kansas City to win by a touchdown, you can find plus 264 odds for that on DraftKings. Bad. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. Uh, San Francisco to come from behind and win, repeating their playoff recipe from the Packers game, from the Lions game, plus 185 on that. Paul, how does that one make you feel? I mean, I don't hate the value on it. Um, I do think that their their goal is going to be to play from ahead though. And, um, you know, I, I hate to place a bet just because like I've seen it happen like the week or two before. I don't think you should go into this and say that, oh, the 49ers came back in the past two weeks. That's a good reason to take this come from behind bet because I can guarantee you this. I can assure you of this. The 49ers are not going into this game, you know, with a strategy to play and come from behind. I know that they want to run the ball early and they want to score early and often and get ahead of the Chiefs here so that they can pin their ears back and, and force Mahomes to, to have to make these tight throws and not be able to use Isaiah Pacheco as an element of that offense. So just given the fact that San Francisco is going to be trying to score early and often and not want to play from behind, uh, it's it's a bet I'll personally stay away from. Something else that I that I saw that I enjoyed, and this kind of goes back to, to what you mentioned earlier, some things I mentioned about the 49ers zone defense and Chiefs, uh, receivers against zone defenses this year. Kelsey has 962 yards against zone coverage this season. Rice has 852. That's a large portion of those guys' yards total. So they're facing a ton of zone on the year. No other Chiefs receiver has more than 260 yards. you got to think the game plan in this is going to be blanketing Kelsey, finding a way to stop him, which would lead you to believe that maybe – Rasheed Rice is going to get a lot of touches in this game. Um, All things considered, in the playoffs, they've had similar target shares. Um, It's just been Kelsey with with the touchdowns. He's had three to Rice's one. But their targets are really similar. Their receptions 
are really similar. Even their yards are pretty similar as well. And you can bet Rasheed Rice to have the most receiving yards in this game at plus 300 odds, which that one was was something on the higher end of this plus 150 to plus 300 scale, literally on, on the outer limit of it that I really, really considered for, for a little bit. Yeah, dude, I like that call there a lot. Um, it goes hand in hand with the, the stat I threw out there about their target share against that zone coverage uh, that I've mentioned where the Niners rush for and then they drop the rest of the defense into zone. Not surprised at all. You know, Kelsey and uh, and Rice had the highest target share facing that type of defense and you back the stats up there with their yardage totals as well. So uh, that's a pretty good call there because you're right. I mean, like Rasheed Rice is obviously faster than Travis Kelsey. So I think he's got more home run ability where like he, I think it's more likely Rice could end up with like a 50 or 60 yard bomb or like he takes a screen 30, 40 yards. I think that we could see that far more often than like Kelsey breaking a big play. Now there might be a little bit more volume that goes towards Travis's side, but again, you know, you, you could get a couple home runs in there with rice. Yeah. I can definitely see him bleeding all receivers in yardage here. And, and I'm a guy who thinks that the chiefs are going to be playing a lot of this game from behind as well. So I def, like even somebody like myself who might be taking the Niners in this game. Uh, I think that that would even be a good bet for me getting plus 300 there. Two other stats, Pacheco, over 84 and a half rushing yards plus 210 odds. And then Debo, 100 plus rushing and receiving yards combined plus 205 odds. I like the Debo line a, a little bit better. I think uh, Pacheco, I believe, is going to get a lot of volume in this game. But I don't necessarily believe that always leads to high yardage totals for him. Debo, it didn't I think. Last week. Yeah, it didn't last week. Whereas I think Debo. Or two would, weeks ago. Right. Two weeks. Yeah, ago. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I think Debo might need to have a big game for the Niners in this one, especially considering how much pressure is going to be on McCaffrey to, to be explosive in the run game and to be efficient there. The Niners are going to rely on him a lot. I actually don't think he's going to have more than 25 touches in this. I think it'll be right around that 24, 25 plateau. And then if things get really, really dicey at the end, maybe he eclipses it by a couple but I think Debo is going to get a lot of action in this game. Running the ball, like you mentioned, uh, jet sweeps, end arounds, uh, quick screen passes as well. He, I believe I saw a stat, um, leads the league in uh, yards after the catch per reception, first in yards after contact, and he's first in missed tackles forced per PFF this season. So the, the goal is going to be get him the ball in space, whether that's, in the backfield or not doesn't really matter. Yeah, not a bad call there. I mean, I, they, they'll have to at least, you know, try to get Depot the ball. And like I said, it might have to be in some creative ways. I, I do still think McCaffrey's going to get, you know, 25 plus touches like fairly easily in this one. Um, you know, I, I honestly with, you know, how much running backs are saying that they haven't been getting paid or, that, you know, they're advocating for getting paid, you know, McCaffrey should definitely want that. I'm sure they'd, sure that he does. I mean, this is his opportunity to prove that a running back can be the integral part and a reason why you win a Super Bowl. Um, Kyle Shanahan loves running the football, you know, first and foremost. So I do still think McCaffrey's going to have his 25, 30 plus touches, but yeah, they'll, they'll need to find a way to get Debo the ball too. All right. Now my favorite section of our prop bets. This is a little something I like to call the Kenny Rogers gambler zone at plus 300 odds and up 
no one to hold him, no one to fold him, my friends. That's all I can tell you. Um, all right, so either Kansas City to win the first half and San Francisco to win the second half or San Francisco to win the first half and Kansas City to win the second half as a halftime full-time result. So essentially, you're just betting one team to win the first half and the other team to win the second half is at plus 650 odds. Vegas is telling you they think this is going to be a wire-to-wire finish, essentially, with these odds here. Interesting note. Interesting note. Maybe Vegas knows something we don't. They always do, believe me. (laughs) Someone who's gambled before, they know more than I. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, MVP, plus 450 odds. He could become the first running back MVP since Terrell Davis in 1998. Now, Davis had three touchdowns in that game. So CMC, he's either going to need three tutties or two touchdowns and uh, insane performance, maybe like 10 receptions and like 100-something yards on the ground, two touchdowns. That maybe could do it. I, I, I could see him pushing like 200 all-purpose yards. You know, I don't know if he'll find the end zone three times. That's a lot, but I can see him, you know, racking up a hundred yards on the ground and then like close to that through the air as well. Mahomes is is the favorite to win MVP, of course. And and then you've got Purdy in there who's at plus 235 odds. Uh McCaffrey shortly follows. There's some others in there too. Uh Kelsey at plus twelve hundred. Debo at plus two thousand. Pacheco at plus 2,500. That seemed a little high to me, all things considered. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's just, you know, given the fact that if the Chiefs do win, like what, like you would figure it's through the air or you figure Mahomes is Mahomes. And so he gets most of the credit. Um, and you said it like the, the Chiefs need to use Pacheco and he needs to be a part of their offense, but it doesn't always result in the greatest day on paper and it's not always the greatest stat line for him i thought he was extremely instrumental in their victory over baltimore two weeks ago but if you look back at the stat line it was like 20 some carries for 68 yards i mean it wasn't a great yards per carry but andy reed is very adamant in sticking to the run using it to, to help set up mahomes and for his throws later in the game and to also uh, dominate time of possession. And so Pacheco can play a very important role in this Super Bowl and accomplish those things that I just mentioned, but it not necessarily show up in the stat sheet. And I think that that is part of what Vegas is considering when they make his line for Super Bowl MVP. But I mean, I am hearing, you know, I've heard from some, you know, writers and some analysts out there that he's a dark horse, good pick for the MVP. I do think that there is some value there. I'm pretty sure Travis Kelsey is the most bet player to win MVP, just considering his, his value, his odds. And I think a lot of people are going to be on the chief side in this one. What about Joey Bosa at plus Nick 75 Bosa. or Nick Bosa? Joey, sorry. Joey Bosa will probably be drinking some beers and watching this game from uh, the club level. So I don't think he'll win MVP in this one. <laughs> sorry. Uh, Nick Bosa at plus 7,500 odds. You know, I, I thought about it, uh, to be honest with you, but I think I think what's going to have to happen in that one, like he's going to have to force at least one strip strip sack turnover, strip sack like, touchdown and like two sacks. Yeah, he's going to have to like force a turnover, some sort of strip sack that leads like directly to a touchdown or maybe he scores it himself and then record maybe like two other sacks to go along with it. Maybe some passes defensed. Um, I think it's going to be tough 
considering I do think that there will be a decent amount of offense scored in this game, at least considering who we, we have playing in this one. Uh, and it's just so difficult for it to be a uh, a defensive player who wins the MVP. I mean, the, the last one that I can remember off the top of my head would have been Von Miller in Super Bowl 50. And, uh, you know, that was like a much lower scoring game. And you're you're advocating more for the Chiefs to win if it's a lower scoring game. So, again, doesn't work in Bosa's favor, but it's like plus 7,500 for a reason. It, the thought entered my mind. I'll, I'll admit that. Just let me set the set the scene for you. OK. Kadarius Tony is coming oh across the formation for a jet sweep. But. Let me stop you right there. I don't know if the Chiefs are going to have that in their offensive playbook coming up this Sunday, but go ahead in this hypothetical. By the way, Kadarius Tony plus 750 odds for an anytime touchdown. Um, Oh my God. I would not take that at all. (laughs) You never know. Kyle Husecheck at plus 750 odds. Vegas is telling you that Husecheck and Tony have the same odds to score a touchdown. Come on. I would take Husecheck. I would take Husecheck for sure. I want to take Husecheck 100%. Um, Sorry, I keep cutting you off. No, but essentially, like, I was just envisioning some scenario where Tony, like, screws up a, a jet sweep or, like, a screen or something like that, and the ball just falls into Bose's hands inside the Chiefs, like, 25 or something. It's just an easy, like, waltz in touchdown. What, um, if, what if he just, like, decks him coming around the end? He just has oh, contain oh. on that sign. He just, like, levels him shoulder right into the chest and that ball just like flies up in the air. Then he recovers the the fumble that he forced. That'd be something that <laughs> that, would, that, that could be a situation. Yeah. Like a that, poster moment. That would be a microcosm of the chiefs regular season where it was like, you were, you were an awesome team and you were in, in it in pretty much every game, but there were some games where you were just a little bit short for some like really dumb, stupid fluke reason. I don't think that's actually going to happen there. I'm just kind of like envisioning a scenario in which it does. And I, and I don't think that like, I think Andy Reid is too smart to, to put a guy like Kadarius Tony in a situation that crucial in the game. I mean, whenever he's been tasked with that or given that opportunity throughout this season, he's failed, obviously most notable, you know, lining up off sides against Buffalo, you go back to week one against Detroit, you know, he had that ball go off of his uh, shoulder pad or something like that, that Brian branch took back to the house for a pick six that swung the balance in that one. He may suit up. He may run a couple routes here or there, but there is no way this guy is going to be getting the ball in a crucial moment in this game. It just can't happen. He's proven time and time again this season that he can't deliver. I also thought that Kelsey two plus touchdowns and Kittle one plus touchdowns at plus 1500 odds was way too high. I understand why it's as high as it is. I just feel like, like that could easily happen. Say that one again. I'm sorry, I missed. Kelsey, two or more touchdowns, and Kittle, one or more touchdowns. So you know what? You know what's kind of interesting is like I I kind of think that uh, I think Kelsey of any player out there probably has the best opportunity to score two or more touchdowns. I even kind of like that a little bit better than McCaffrey. Just that's kind of like a gut feel more than anything. Um, well, there's better talk, odds with it. There's better odds, and then we plus five hundred. And then we've talked about too that. Uh, like the way that the Niners play defense kind of matches up well to, to Kelsey's strengths there. But um, I don't dislike that. There's a, there's actually a guy here assuming that he does suit up and play, which I believe he's supposed to, he has been on the injury report for the past couple uh, weeks. Uh, I don't hate Jarek McKinnon 
to anytime touchdown score. Here's why it's a little bit more of a gut feel play. I think I saw him like around plus six fifty. Um, I don't know if ever anybody remembers, but I certainly do that. He had the opportunity to waltz into the end zone in that game against Philadelphia at the end of, uh, regulation there but he slid down right before the goal line so that the chiefs could eat extra time off the clock and not give philadelphia any chance to uh to come back and score after bucker kicked a game-winning field goal in the super bowl last year if the chiefs get an option if they get an opportunity where mckinnon is healthy and he's in on a package and maybe he's like split out in the backfield or mahomes has an opportunity to dump the ball down to him near the goal line i think that they will try and do that uh, given that he's a veteran player, he's a smart player, uh, who's a selfless player, made a selfless play last year. Very small thing, kind of just like a, a gut throw that out there. I mean, you got to make the the best read and the best play in the moment. You don't want to get a guy a touchdown just for the sake of getting him a touchdown. But I could maybe see Kansas City drawing something up for him to reward him. Plus 650, not that bad anytime touchdown score for him. That's how I felt about MVS at plus 600, actually. I, I felt like same kind of argument to a certain extent, MVS obviously is, is like actually played more recently. He had that game ceiling catch against Baltimore. Yeah. And dude, I like his downplay. I like his, uh, his prop as well. I mean, it's not in, uh, his receiving prop. It's not in this like high plus 500 and up territory, but he's, uh, he's made a couple big long catches each of the past two playoff games had, a couple of them in Buffalo and then you're right. He sealed the deal against Baltimore there. So his props only like 18 and a half. The last time I saw it, that could be one 20, 25 yard bomb from Mahomes, and he's got it. The last little nugget that I'll, uh, I'll drop as far as these go, is just a doink like plus 700 odds for any, <laughs> any, anything off the crossbar or post or anything like that, whatever, plus 700 odds. Love it. Especially if oh. Jake Moody's in this game. Yeah, that I, you took the words out of my mouth, man. He's missed a field goal in each of the past uh, two playoff games or past two games that the Niners played. So I think that that's pretty good odds there. I, I uh, One of the things that I had as well that I'm considering taking is his under in points. Uh, it's at seven and a half right now. I'm thinking about it. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Let's, let's talk some about um, – like recipes for, for these teams winning. We sort of talked about it with, I sort of talked about it with the chiefs, at least you feel like they're going to have to win in a defensive game. Whereas the Niners offensive high scoring games, maybe favor them a little bit more. Um, What do you think is the biggest key for San Francisco winning this game on the offensive side of the ball? And then the defensive side of the ball as well. Start with offense first. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's like I've been saying this whole time. It's it's to run McCaffrey, and uh, it, it's the the one weakness, I guess, of the the Chiefs' defense, where they're seventeenth in opponent yards per game, um, and then they're uh, so they're negative point oh two in EPA per play um, against rushes. And the Niners run a, a good zone blocking scheme, and the Chiefs are even worse in EPA for play against zone blocking scheme. So I think that that's going to be a, a, a big thing for the Niners to run that zone scheme. McCaffrey likes to run to the left a lot. Um, he's had a lot of success running to the left side in, during the regular season, but not as much in this playoff so far. So we'll see if uh, that side can contain Christian McCaffrey there, but like everything's going to go off of him. I, Cause I think that for the Niners, they are going to want Brock Purdy to only have to make, like the simple throws that he has to make. And that can be set up 
and the throws can be made easier for him if McCaffrey's picking up five, six, you know, yards at a time, not just two, three yards in a cloud of dust. Uh, so we'll see there. Um, get to the second level for Christian, see if he can break a couple big plays as well, you know, make the linebackers of, of Kansas City look silly, Nick Bolton, Willie Gay. Um, and, yeah, let's see if he can hit a home run as well. It, it, it kind of all starts and ends with Christian McCaffrey for me. I would say for me that the biggest key for San Francisco is just going to be how their O-line handles the Chiefs' defense. They, they've been – such a great pass rush this year and it hasn't even really been because they blitz a lot it's been more because of their ability to get pressure without sending the house and for this Niners team I mean Trent Williams had the second highest graded pass blocking game of his season last week against Detroit it's not him I'm worried about it's the other side of the line it's McKivitz at right tackle right guard area that whole deal um, and I, I, I think that, uh, that's the one thing that gives me cause for hesitation to lean into some of those Kittle props and, and touchdowns and, and recept, uh, receptions, receiving yards, all that, because I think they're really going to need him chipping and like pitching and blocking a lot in this game at the line of scrimmage, giving Purdy a little bit of extra time to get the ball off. And then if things break down, Kittle can check out into the flat or whatever, and he'll be available in that sense. I don't know if they're going to be having a ton of designed routes for him compared to how much he may typically have in a game because of that point. I, I do think with George Kittle, though, I am expecting a, a big game. I, I think you're kind of right in that his opportunities may be few and that he'll be tasked with making the most of them. You know, like he's going to have to hit – if he's going to hit his props, which I think he certainly can, um, I think that you're going to have to see a couple big plays in there. And we've seen the 49ers even draw up some gadget plays for him as well. Um, I know they had one drawn up in that game where they routed Dallas early in the year. Uh, they kind of did like a, a flea flicker type deal that was kind of mixed in with a reverse. And then all of a sudden Kittle was wide open down the, the sideline. And I could see something like that coming into play there as well. Otherwise, offensively. Biggest receiving threat or biggest just threat in general. Ayuk is Purdy's favorite target for all intents and purposes. Like that's the guy that he really looks at. And if Legereus Sneed is on him, Legereus Sneed has been locked down all year. You got to be really careful with those throws in his direction. Even if it's not Sneed on him, it's Trent McDuffie instead. Who's only an all pro this season. Like, if, if they're, those two guys, Purdy and Ayuk, are going to have a connection this game, they're both going to need to be really on top of their timing and decision-making on, on Purdy's end. Like, there's not much room for error at all. Yeah, but, you know, Purdy can't force the ball to Ayuk if, he, if he's not there. I mean, we've talked about how good Legereus Sneed has been um, this whole year. I mean, we talked about that he's only given up one touchdown all year, and it was just in the divisional round to – Khalil Shakir and the Buffalo Bills. Other than that, hasn't given up a touchdown all year. So I, I don't know. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I like San Francisco in this game, but I'm not anticipating a huge day for my uh, We'll see. Uh, I, I think that, you know, that's part of the brilliance of the San Francisco 49ers offense is that if you shut down one guy, it's okay. They have a lot of guys to come back with, but 
we'll see. I mean, Ayuk made that huge play against Detroit. Certainly been a big reason why San Francisco's here. But if he's not there, you know, my, my caution to Brock Purdy would be just don't try to force him the ball just because he's come up and made some big plays for you in the past. Defensively for the Niners, is it as simple as finding a way to limit Mahomes? Like, are you looking for just stops in this game? Are you looking for turnovers? He's only had one turnover worthy play this entire postseason. He's been phenomenal. Um, it's it seems pretty futile to rely on him to make mistakes. So if you if you can't count on that, if he is the inevitable, so to speak, which we've talked about on this podcast before, what else are you really looking at in terms of ways you can limit the chiefs i feel like personally it starts with the run game like if you can limit pacheco if you can force mahomes to throw the ball 40 50 times that is going to make things really difficult for kansas city to win this game yeah so you mentioned the run game in this one i, I and i found an interesting stat uh via yardbarker.com so uh, the 49ers, and you've alluded to this throughout the week, that they're not the best when it comes to stopping the run, even though their opponent rush yards per game is pretty good. But you kind of you even um, corrected me on this track where you were saying, well, if you look at their their total season stats, that's more just because they played a lot of their games from ahead. And so teams didn't attempt to run as much. Actually, when you dive into some of the numbers, they're, they're kind of one of the weaker rush defenses. So here's an interesting thing to consider. Um, the 49ers give up what's uh, deemed a boom play when teams run to the left side. And so a boom play is defined as a plus one EPA or better. Um, they give up that 12.1% of the time. Um, and that's one of the worst metrics in the league. However, and again, that's when a team runs to the left uh, against the Niners. When a team runs to the right, that percentage drops to 6.6%. And that's actually the fourth best in the league. So they're pretty good when a team tries to run to the uh, offense, tries to run to their right side. And why is that interesting? It's likely that Joe Tooney is going to miss this game. That is what Andy Reid has suggested, at least today, when um, the injury news came out. And Joe Tooney plays left guard. So maybe, just maybe, Kansas City won't be as strong running the ball to the left side with Pacheco. And again, yeah, we've talked about it. If you can limit that, that's huge because he's been a big, like they've even run the offense through him at plenty of times this year. So it'd be interesting to see what side of the line Kansas City tries to exploit. And if they try to get away from the side in which, um, I don't know who their backup is off the top of my head, but if they try to get away from that left side because of Joe Tooney being out in this game. But other than that, I mean, I don't think that you can just like completely stop Mahomes. I think what San Francisco is going to have to do is they're going to have to play defense with their offense. Uh, they're going to have to really control time of possession in this one. So you, you mentioned that both teams kind of, kind of struggle against the run. Actually, they're both in the bottom third of the league in uh, opponent yards per rush attempt yards per carry. Essentially Kansas city ranks 25th at four and a half yards per rush attempt allowed. Whereas San Francisco ranks 21st at 4.3. So they're kind of neck and neck there. I, I could see this becoming a grounded pound defensive game. And that leads me more so to the Chiefs defensive side of things, previewing the defensive side of the balls for both teams. Um, plain and simple, in games that the Niners have scored 20 points when Brock Purdy 
is at the helm. They're 20 and 0. They haven't lost a game in which Brock Purdy has started and they've scored 20 points. It's never happened. You can't let them get to that number. I don't care if you've got Mahomes. It's like I said earlier, it's it's a it's a shootout game at that point, and they have too many weapons, too many ways to exploit you. If they've reached that three touchdown number, it means they're gonna find a way to get a fourth unless they just run out of time. So I think you have to find a way to slow them down, whether it's by like trying to force them to pass by stacking the box and, and, and doing things like that. But, but the issue with that is then you leave yourself open to screens, quick throws to perimeter, to, to the perimeter, Debo on end, end arounds, that sort of jazz. Ayuk even and, and Kittle on those deep play action plays that they like sometimes. Um, they're going to need to find a way to make it happen. And Spag, Spags has been awesome as a DC in Kansas city the last three years. Uh, he has actually yet to lose to Kyle Shanahan since Shanahan has been the head coach in San Francisco. And he's done a great way at, he's done a great job at containing dynamic offenses this postseason postseason as well. So that stat really jumps out to me just in terms of the 49ers track record when they have good output offensively. So in my mind, Kansas city is going to need to continue what they've shown us so far in the playoffs and really all season of being a defensive oriented team with a hall of fame quarterback at the helm. Yeah, completely agree, man. Completely agree. They'll have to use their, their corners. will have to step up big. They'll have to do, I, I assume that they're going to have, they're going to try to do some of the same things that I'm recommending that San Francisco do. And it's the same things that worked for Kansas city last week as well, where they're going to try to control time of possession like they did. And they dominated against Baltimore. They're going to try to keep, just keep the ball out of San Francisco's hands. I'm sure that they have all those numbers um, in their head and, and they've got a magic number in terms of time of possession that, that they're looking to get to that they think limits limits Brock Purdy and this as well. Well, what about chiefs? What, what about the chiefs offensively? Cause I, I mean, obviously you have Patrick Mahomes there, like, uh first of all it's it's silly to bet against him second of all we've talked about the running game how many touches is pacheco really gonna have are they gonna find ways to get other guys involved in the run game like are you gonna see little clyde edwards hilaire in there maybe no no i don't i don't see i don't see clyde get involved i mean i think that you know they'll try to get pacheco his you know around 20 touches something like that we'll see how the game script if the game script will dictate that, but you know, for the chiefs, it's just do what you know how to do. It's fine. Kelsey over the middle, um, get Rasheed Rice involved in the passing game as well. And just let Mahomes make timely throws and timely plays. Like I, like I said, I think Marquez Valdez Scantling will have to step up here or there uh, for a big catch or two as well. I mean, just stick to what, you know, stick to the, stick to the greatness that is Mahomes and Kelsey and, and let that be your guide, so to speak. So uh, Pacheco had 20 or more rush attempts in the regular season just once October 1st and a 23 20 win against the New York jets. He's had 20 or more twice in three playoff games, 24 carries for 68 yards and a touchdown against Baltimore, 24 carries for 89 yards and a touchdown against Miami. To me, I think he's the guy that it really is going to start with. Um, just, giving the chiefs some opportunities to mix it up where the Niners aren't selling out against the pass. And maybe it's something where it's more like the pass sets up the run and allows Pacheco to, to get 20, 
20, 25 carries and, and some space to go with it. Um, I think it's going to need to be that sort of game where you are relying on Mahomes for those third and manageables, third and shorts, second and like sevens, second and sixes, you know, um, every once in a while you, you might, if you're unlucky, get like a third and nine, depending on the situation. Um, and then it's, it's going to be in the red area as well, finding ways to, to scheme open Kelsey to, to get rice in a position to score, whether it's, uh, like I was talking about earlier, the, the sort of quick screens to, to the boundary, or maybe it's like, um, I, I, I don't know what I, what I'm really trying to get at is I think that the key to both sides is running the football and whoever can do that the best is going to win this football game, whether it's the chiefs or the Niners, if the Niners struggle to run the football and the chiefs dominate on the ground, Brock Purdy has to drop back a ton of times in this game. It's not a recipe for success for them. And, and I wouldn't necessarily say the same thing for Mahomes dropping back 40, 50 times. Um, but I don't think that's the chiefs intended game plan either, unless they are using Mahomes strictly as an extension of the run in terms of like, you see 15 to 20 screen passes. You know what I mean? Yeah. I hear you 100%. Um, but you know, if it comes down to who's running the football better, uh, like I feel completely confident that's going to be the 49ers. I think they have a more talented running back. Um, I agree that you would feel more confident in Mahomes being able to drop back maybe 35, 40 times if he needed to. Obviously, you'd feel more confident in him doing that than Purdy, but you're right. I mean, the the running back, the the success of the running back is dictated who's won a lot of these games for Kansas City. I said it against Buffalo, um, same story against Baltimore. I mean, Baltimore didn't even try. You know, they ran Gus Edwards like three times. It's just not going to happen here against San Fran. All right, so let's break it down this way. Head coaching matchup, Andy Reid versus Kyle Shanahan. When we've had head coaches rematch of the Super Bowl, the coach who won the first matchup has won the second matchup each of the three times the situation has occurred previously. So I'm going to give the advantage to Andy Reid in this situation. Agree or disagree? So I've said, I've gone on record and said that I think Kyle Shanahan is the best coach in the NFL. And I will I will stand by that. I will not go back on that take. Um, I think that he will find a game plan that will be good enough to win this one. Uh, but let me be very clear that there is not a wide margin that separates Kyle Shanahan from Andy Reid. And we'll see uh, because I I don't know. Um, there, there's, you know, clock management mistake here too. I think that maybe is on Shanahan's record. I mean, you know, you could look back in his offensive play calling, maybe in that Super Bowl against your New England Patriots in the 28 to three game. He was the OC in that one. And I've alluded to things plenty of times where I think that if they just ran the ball there at the end of that game, instead of uh, trying to drop back and pass, maybe they could have just kicked a field goal and run the clock out. I'm not putting that solely on Shanahan, but I think that we maybe have seen one or two more gaffes like that in, in, in the past, as opposed to Andy Reid making mistakes like that. But I got confidence Shanahan's going to coach his best one in this one. He's got a lot of pressure on him, but I think he'll live up to it. Quarterbacks, Mahomes obviously has the advantage over Purdy. Running games, like we just talked about, the Niners probably have the advantage over the Chiefs. I certainly think so. You and, you and I agree on that. So right now, 
including those results. And then the head coaches were split essentially. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I'll, I'll give a slight edge to Shanahan, like I said. So other, I think, yeah, that would bring us to a total split for split on the HC agree on the running back and agree on the quarterback. Offensive line Niners have had their issues. Like we talked about on that right side. And then the chiefs are missing Joe Tooney for all intents and purposes, their best lineman. I feel like this is a push, if not a slight, slight light advantage, maybe towards, uh, towards the Niners. The the Chiefs also, I mean, with um what's his name? Uh Juwan Taylor, 24 penalties in 20 games. Like that's that's not a good recipe for success against this Niners pass rush. No, definitely not. Um we'll see the the Niners have come out and said that the Chiefs O line holds on every play. So we'll see how much gets called. Uh, Bill Vinovich and this crew is uh, kind of notorious for not calling nearly as many penalties compared to the league average. So I think it'll be interesting to see uh, the leeway in which this officiating crew gives, especially that Chiefs offensive line. Like how much are they going to let them get away with when they're they're grabbing outside of the numbers and, and grabbing the shoulder pads? Uh, that could dictate uh, a lot of things. I think Wayne uh, alluded to that when you had him on talking about the 49ers. Um, he's worried about Nick Bosa maybe not getting to the quarterback because because uh, he was going to get held and it wouldn't be called. So that'll be crucial to look at. In terms of overall defense, this one is is a little bit harder to really delve into because we, we talked about um, how poorly these teams are against the run. Well, they're also, by the way, both top five in opponent yards per pass attempt allowed. Uh, Kansas City second in the league at 5.4 yards per pass attempt allowed. San Francisco fifth in the league at 5.9 yards per pass attempt allowed. I I feel like I am leaning more Chiefs in this defensively, partly because they don't have to face Patrick Mahomes. And <laughs> otherwise, I feel like it's actually – kind of close uh i would probably lean chiefs though I, I feel like their defense is coached better by spags they, they've got a little bit more defensive versatility as well and their d-line really with plus with carl loftus there I, I actually think he could have a pretty big game in this one um so i'm gonna give the lean to the chiefs defense versus the niners defense yeah, I probably will as well um just one note note about those stats in terms of uh the opponent pass yards or attempt. Uh, I, I would say that kind of in the similar light of how we talked about, yeah, maybe the Niners have a pretty good uh, opponent rush yards against uh, that's more dictated due to game script. I think you could say a similar thing here for both the, the chiefs and the Niners where they play a lot of their games from ahead and they're able to um, kind of pin their ears back on defense and keep everything in front of them and give opposing teams like some easier throws when they're, when they're ahead by so much. So I think that that stat could be slightly misleading. Like I know the chiefs are a pretty good pass defense all in all, uh, but yeah, overall, I think, I think we've made it pretty clear that the chiefs have the edge on the defensive side of the ball. I will not disagree with you on that. Special teams, Harrison Bucker getting the lean versus Jake Moody. 100%. You and I are in full agreement on this. Yep. Yep. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see, uh, if Shanahan goes for it in in some crucial situations, I think that's what I'm looking for the most, considering that Moody has missed a kick in each of his past two games, uh, the two playoffs. And I mean, the pressure is going to only 
go way up from here in the Super Bowl. So I think it'd be interesting if, you know, 49ers are faced with maybe like a fourth and three, fourth and four at the, uh, the Kansas City 32, 33 yard line, like teetering right on that 50 yard mark. Does uh, Shanahan decide to go for it or settle for a field goal? That'll be big. So this brings us to the moment of truth, the predictions, the picks, our MVP choices. Paul, my friends, I want to give you a, give you the opportunity to go first here. Uh, really? You are the, you are the commissioner of the league and without, without you, none of this would be happening. All right. I can't do all this shit by myself. So it, you, you deserve first pick here for our official picks for the Super Bowl. I want to, I want to open up the floor to you, see where you go with it. I will respond and then I will make my pick. Fair enough. Fair enough here. I would say that uh, this, none of this would happen without yourself as well, Patrick. I don't want this to turn into a, uh, you know, a sentimental type thing, but uh, I think that we both do good work here on this podcast and both serve very important roles. Uh, I would kind of prefer to go second, but you are, you are in the, the host chair here and you have dictated it. So, so I will go first. I believe as I've indicated many, many times already throughout this podcast and even throughout the whole season that I think the 49ers are the best team in football. I've had them as my Super Bowl pick this whole playoffs, and I will not waver off that here just because the Chiefs seem to have found their footing in the last couple rounds of the playoffs. Where I think I might turn some heads with my prediction is I actually don't think this game is going to be close. I actually think San Francisco is going to win this one handily. And I think going into the fourth quarter, this game will already be over. I think that San Francisco is going to be playing from ahead the whole time. They're going to be up 31 to 13 and the chiefs will score a late garbage time touchdown to make it 31 to 20. I think it will all start with McCaffrey up front. I think that they're going to limit the amount of times that Purdy has to make plays. I don't expect him to throw the ball much more than 20 to 25 times, which is a big reason why I didn't say this in the prop section. I do love his under and pass attempts. Um, I think that I look at it this way. Two weeks ago, Baltimore tried to push the narrative that Lamar could do everything himself, that he could sit back in the pocket and throw the ball 35, 40 plus times. And they tried to push that ideal and say that Lamar could do everything when in reality he couldn't, or at least he couldn't against the Kansas city defense. I think Kyle Shanahan is too smart to try to push this narrative with Brock Purdy and people can call him a game manager all they want. And I think a lot of people might after the Super Bowl because I don't think he's going to be asked to do a lot. But I don't think Kyle Shanahan's going to let that outside noise influence anything within the game plan. I think San Francisco goes up early. They keep the lead. They do get some pressure on Mahomes here. They've been the most dominant team in the NFL this season, I believe. They have they are the more complete team. They have more weapons on offense. Yes, they're not as strong at the quarterback position, and that's the most important position on the field. But I am taking the San Francisco 49ers to win this one comfortably 31 to 20. 31 to 20. And man, clip it if you want, but I am 100% confident in this pick. Okay. So, um, one thing of note I think I saw some stat that said that Mahomes has lost. Uh, by more than a touchdown in his career, like only five or six times. I think. Yeah, I think you threw something like that out on on uh on one of the previous segments or one of the previous episodes we had. It hardly ever happens. Hardly ever happens. 
Um, I think you're dead wrong here. Dead wrong. Bring it on then. Bring it on. Tell um, me first of all, Mahomes and the Chiefs struggled at one at some points early in the season and in the middle of the season, but only when they did not have um, Pacheco healthy in their lineup, essentially. When he was playing, for the most part, they've been pretty successful offensively. Their, their running game by the metrics isn't awesome, but they've shown in, in one-game instances they can perform well on the ground. However, you still have Patrick Mahomes back there, man, and it's – this is the same thing you were telling me uh, two months ago, right? When they were in their worst stretch, not just of the season, but of Mahomes' career. You can never count this guy out. No matter who they're playing, no matter what the odds are, no matter what the situation is, when you have this guy at the helm, your chances of winning are better than your chances of losing. I, I don't give a shit about spreads and all, and all that. Like, just... Look at it by and large. Yes, the Niners have George Kittle. Yes, they have Christian McCaffrey. Yes, they have Brandon Ayuk. Yes, they have Debo Samuel. Yes, they have Trent Williams. Yes, they have Fred Warner. Yes, they've got Kyle Shanahan. They don't have Patrick Mahomes. They don't have Travis Kelsey. It's the most dynamic duo we've ever seen in the playoffs in terms of trusting each other. They're back on their backyard football bullshit where they're finding ways to just make things happen off schedule where it's not necessarily the designed plays, but Travis knows when and where to be when Pat needs him the most when plays break down. And that's what we've seen them get back to in these playoffs. And then we've seen how Andy Reed has developed guys like Pacheco, who we've talked a lot about Rasheed Rice as well. Some of these, um, secondary figures in the offense, not to mention how awesome their defense has been and how well they've performed against an offense led by now officially the league's MVP, Josh Allen, who was also an MVP finalist, Tua Tagovailoa, who was uh, no slouch either this year. That Chiefs, that Dolphins offense um, was stellar this season. And, and you could make an argument that if that game wasn't played in a friggin' snow globe or the Antarctic or whatever it was, then then things might have gone differently offensively for for the uh, Dolphins. I, I still think the Chiefs would have won that game, but um, I feel really strongly that I would be dumb to bet against Mahomes at this point. I've made the mistake now uh, twice in these playoffs. I can't do it again. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make that mistake. If if I'm wrong on Mahomes and the Chiefs winning, then so be it. I'm wrong. Somebody finally upset the monster besides Joe Burrow and Tom Brady. We can add Brock Purdy into the conversation as well. I just I'm just not there yet with him. He's really young. He's one of the youngest quarterbacks to have ever started a Super Bowl. Uh, extremely inexperienced in these situations. We saw how bad he struggled early in both those games in the divisional and conference championship round. And we've seen how awesome Spags has had this defense playing as well down the stretch here. So all the signs are to me are pointing towards the chiefs. I actually can't believe that the Niners were even favored to begin with in this game. I, I feel like they, the only reason why they got the line that they did was so that 
there was more incentive for people to actually put money on the game. I felt like this was way closer to a pick em or even like a chiefs, like, like minus one or something like that. Um, I think this is going to be a defensive game. I think the Niners are really going to struggle. I think Purdy is going to struggle, especially he's going to force the ball into windows. He shouldn't, he's probably going to have at least one interception interception, maybe even two. I, I feel like McCaffrey will have his moments, but ultimately he's not going to be able to do enough himself for the team to overcome the mistakes of Purdy and some other areas. My final score prediction for this game is Kansas city, 24 San Francisco, 17. I think Mahomes wins MVP. I, I feel like it's a close game the whole way, but in reality, Kansas city dominates the whole time and Mahomes picks up his third Super Bowl win. I have one retort and one comment. And, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, my comment is, it's kind of interesting what you said about Vegas. You think that Vegas uh, put this line, jacked this line up a little bit in San Francisco's favor to, to get money in on the Chiefs. Um, I don't agree with that per se, but I would say if that actually were the case, that would um, suggest that the 49ers are are the team that's going to win because Vegas would want people betting on the, the side that they think is going to be the loser. Uh, so interesting, interesting thought there. I'll, I'll say that. My retort now. And I've thought about this. I was thinking about this earlier today. Just a couple of years ago, I don't know. I know you're not as much into hockey, and we haven't talked as much hockey on this podcast, but just a couple of years ago, the Tampa Bay Lightning were going for a three-peat, and they were facing the Colorado Avalanche. And I remember in that series that the Avalanche just looked quicker. They were finishing hits. They were just flying. They were getting to pucks faster than Tampa Bay. And I know it's different, different game, different sport, all of that. But Colorado looked hungrier in that Stanley Cup finals. And they ultimately ended up winning and defeating the Tampa Bay Lightning and preventing the Lightning from three-peating. And I know it's not a three-peat here for Kansas City, but bear with me. There are many, many San Francisco 49ers players that are on this team, that were on that team that lost back in 2020, right before COVID happened, by the way that lost that Super Bowl to Kansas City and that remember it. And I believe that San Francisco will come out hungrier in this game. They will come out more motivated and they will feel like they have something more to prove because though they are technically the favorite in this game, I believe that they're hearing the outside noise that everybody's just assuming that the Chiefs are going to win just because they have Patrick Mahomes. And I think that everybody on that Niners team will take that personally. That's another big factor why I think they're going to win. And you know what, man? All I'll say is this. If the NFL is truly rigged, they're going to want the 49ers to win this game. I'll tell you why. They don't want risk Reed retiring, Kelsey retiring, and walking off into the sunset. They want to build the 49ers up as the villain so that Kelsey can come back next year with Taylor Swift by his side and avenge this Super Bowl loss. That was a little bit of an aside, not very serious. But I think this 49ers team is going to be hungrier, and I think it will show on Sunday. I don't think either of those guys are retiring. I, I think they're both coming. You back might be year. right. That that was supposed to be a little bit of a joke um, with for the Swifties out there, but we'll we will see how that plays out. It'll be interesting. Is, I I don't feel really like I feel almost too confident in this. I almost feel like I've um caught whatever Kansas City Chiefs overconfidence bug is is flowing around in in the midwest right now 
because <laughs> I really feel strongly in um in them winning this game, and it kind of goes back to the recipe that I was saying, like hold San Francisco to less than twenty points, the seventeen point scoreline. You got three touchdowns in there. Uh, you, you're thinking it's probably a lot of like ball control football, trying to find a way just to keep the ball out of San Francisco's hands and then locking down on defense. Um, I think uh, there could be a missed field goal that plays into that as well. So maybe instead of maybe it should have been a 24, 20 game with, with the Niners having an opportunity to win the game with a touchdown instead of tie. And um, I don't know. 24, 17 is my pick. Mahomes, I think wins MVP. Uh, I don't think Kelsey gets double digit touchdowns. I think it's spread around. I could see Pacheco. Well, he, definitely, he won't get double digit touchdowns. That would be insane. That that would be a slam dunk. <laughs> I, I meant two touchdowns. I knew I knew what you meant. I'm just messing yeah. with you. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, I would say it'll be more spread around. I would take one for Rice, one for Pacheco, one for Kelsey himself, and. I think Kansas City is going to be the first team to win back-to-back Super Bowls since my New England Patriots. I I can't believe I'm actually picking them, too. If, if you had told me that I would have picked them, like, six weeks ago, I would have called you crazy. And, yeah, here yeah, I, I am. Here I am. Um, and, and I feel pretty good about it, too. Um, it, I mean, like I said as well, um, head coaching rematches in Super Bowls, the loser the first time has never won the second end as well. Purdy, the, the youngest quarterback in the Super Bowl. Of the youngest quarterbacks, the 10 youngest quarterbacks to start the Super Bowl, uh, they are, I think it was like... Roethlisberger is one of them. He, he's got to win. Roethlisberger is one of them, yeah. But I'm pretty sure that uh, the 10, the top ones, they uh, they had a losing record combined. I don't remember exactly what it was. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised at that. I mean, I know there's some numbers working against me in that regard, but... Um, and it, it is ironic. I mean, you talked about how you were so down on the Chiefs six, seven weeks ago, you know, on that Christmas Day game. Um, and I was the one advocating to to stick with them. And now, you know, the roles flipped. But um, I've advocated for the 49ers harder all year. And I said that they're the best team since the 07 Pats. Maybe they are. Maybe they're not. Um, but I think that they're going to go out and prove that they are one of the better teams in NFL history. Um, I am completely confident in my pick. So, I will. I mean, I say we make this an official podcast wager. Why not? <laughs> the smile on your face when you said that—that <laughs> that was classic. I want to. Yeah. I want to screen grab that and frame it. Yeah, man. Sure. Handshake it. Handshake it, dude. There we go. Awesome. Who's your MVP pick? I, I didn't hear you say. Yeah, I didn't officially say it, but I mean, I have pretty much exactly alluded to who it's going to be. Um, I think he goes over 100 yards on the ground. I think he has close to 100 yards through the air, maybe like 75 or something through the air. He finds the end zone at least once, makes some big plays. Maybe he does find the end zone twice. Um, it's Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey, the MVP here. I love it. Plus 450 odds. I think, like I said, Brock Purdy just kind of manages the game. And uh, McCaffrey is is the big, big benefactor. Kittle also has a good one in there as well. Would be an honorable mention, but I ain't got Christian McCaffrey, Super Bowl 58 MVP. So I will only ask you this because when we did our conference championship episode, I was stuck going into the episode on, on who I was going to side with between the Chiefs and the Ravens. And the thought process I had was, Kansas City probably should win, 
but I, I want Baltimore to win and, and they definitely could win. Like the recipe to beat Mahomes is there, but it kind of feels like Kansas city should win just based off of what's been happening recently. And I ended up picking Baltimore anyways, because again, I, I didn't want Kansas city to win. I thought Baltimore would just have enough, but I had this feeling in my pit stomach, like, yeah, but Kansas city probably should win this. Do you are, is that kind of where you're at at all with this? Like, do you even have some slight sense of like, I really want Christian McCaffrey to have this crazy game. I really want Mahomes to lose. And that's why I'm siding with them. Or is it like, all I'm trying to ask is, are you, are you letting emotion play into this at all? Because I feel like I did a little bit with Mahomes to this point, and I'm trying to just take that out of it completely here. Oh man, you really put me on the spot here. Um, well, I think that you could make the argument that I'd be using some emotion, no matter what side I'd be taking here. Uh, Look, I have advocated for the 49ers and I'd look kind of like really, really good with how much I preach them as a team if they did uh, hold on and win this and like one definitively. <laughs> well, teach your own horde, why don't you, man? Yeah, but uh, I think on the converse, if I was taking Kansas City here, like you can make the argument that I was I was using some emotion, the fact of like how much I want Mahomes to be the new goat over Brady. And this would be like another feather in his cap. Uh, am I, you know, am I using maybe a little bit of emotion here? Yeah, sure. Why not? But you know what? I got a platform to do so. And I I backed it up with a lot of stats here as well. And it, it is what my gut says at the end of the day that San Francisco is going to be the Super Bowl champs. So yeah, maybe a little bit of motion, but I'm using a lot of my head as well. Not much up here in this brain, but I'm using what I got up there for the pick. Oh, don't sell yourself short, buddy. All right. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, Paul has San Francisco winning this game 31-20 giving Kyle Shanahan his first Super Bowl as a head coach. I have the Chiefs repeating, notching their third Super Bowl in the Mahomes era, winning this game by a score of 24-17. I can already see the the fade DeMar texts brewing in the chats. I don't know. I think honestly, I think I'm the one who's going to get more flack for for the pick and just how like what I predicted the score to be. So I encourage anybody, bring it on in the comments. We'll see who's right to come Super Bowl Sunday. This is definitely going to give us uh, a good lead up to to the game Sunday. I I, I can't wait. I can't wait for for our text exchange. Uh, This is what we've been working for, man. I'm excited for it as well. Fifth and long fans, we will be reacting to this game Monday night. So you can expect a reaction episode uh, probably Tuesday during the day at some point, morning or afternoon. Thanks for rocking with us during Super Bowl Media Week. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, Shout out to our collaborators from this week as well for getting involved, just helping us um, add some more perspectives to this Super Bowl matchup and and really give an all-angles view of the big game. So um, without further ado, Fifth and Log fans, good night. Enjoy the game this weekend. Go Chiefs or Niners, whichever side you're rooting for. Good luck to you as well. Find us on the socials at Fifth and Long on Twitter, at Fifth and Long Pod on Instagram and YouTube. Got a lot more exciting things coming for y'all soon as well. So definitely make sure you tune into those. Thanks again, Fifth and Long fans. Good night. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. God bless everyone.